Welcome everyone to Flyover Footy. We're back with another Flyover Fallout. My name is Matt Baker. I'm joined by Santiago Beltran. As always, we're here to recap the 2-1 win this past weekend. St. Louis City SC over the San Jose Earthquakes. Streaks were ended. Performances were fantastic. Rotation was had. Santi, this game had and delivered just about everything that we hoped it could. How are you doing? And what a day, huh? Doing great, Matt. Doing amazing. Uh, obviously, it's always great to uh, to get with you, and especially after a great performance by the team. Um, it was um, like coming into it, obviously, it was a game that maybe we were a little bit worried about just because San Jose came uh, with that undefeated streak at home and uh, St. Louis was in its own uh, streak of not winning games. But um, it all changed and a different lineup, a lineup that we had not seen. And um, basically, my, my initial thought was like the kids did the job because there were some some guys uh, that were making their first start in MLS. And then uh, just looking at the details from the lineup, six of these guys were playing in MLS Next Pro or USL Championship last year. Yeah, this was the third match in eight days. We had been running ragged a few of our stars, Nico Joachini, Indy Vasilev, Jared Stroud, Tim Parker, Lucas Bartlett, guys who, Jake Nerwinski, guys who we had relied upon the entire season. And this seemed like it was kind of a, a breaking point in a sense, but also a culmination of opportunities to some of the players like Aziel Jackson. And seeing earlier in the week the more firm timelines given to guys like Klaus and Leuven on their returns where you can now target after League's Cup break or after the MLS uh, first part of the season ends where we're going to get them back, you can kind of see a little of the thought process wind into how we're going to really take this team over the next four weeks. And Bradley Carnell had a quote about this match and whether it was the plan all along to do the heavy rotation that we saw or if it was more of a later in the week, see how the first two games go. And he said, quote, depending on how those games prevail and how you manage them, and how you push players. So, you know, after the last game, I thought, yeah, this is for assurance, style of play related as well, looking at the load and the numbers and who can turn around and who can go again. So I think it was a great time to come up with a change like this with an away game against a really hard opponent, just being true to principles and let this be a principle game, right? So nothing fancy, just making sure we stick to them, stick to the guns of who we are, and let that be our victor on the day. And yeah, a little like I said, those fairy tale stories along the way, the salmon dinner narrative, you know, it ends off in the perfect way. And the perfect way to me, Santi, was to see guys who made their first ever MLS starts, Sam Denneron, AZL Jackson, Josh Arrow, first MLS start in six years, opportunities, like you said, two guys who we had picked up from the USL level, from the next pro level, and used to build the depth of our team, now having the spotlight put on themselves in you could look at it both ways you can look at it as it's a very uh the stress and pressure is off because nobody expects us to win san jose hadn't lost a home game since september 2022 that's 10 straight uh, unbeaten st louis hadn't won an away match since march 25th and knowing the form we had been in with leuven even if we had trotted out our typical starting 11 at this point with our top guys I don't think anybody would have expected necessarily St. Louis to win. And you saw that with all the predictions going into this of I'd be happy with a point, which in general for away games you are. 
But after seeing this lineup and this rotation, I think it was just, let's get them experience. Let's be competitive. Let's see what can happen. Yeah, and, and my initial thought after I saw the lineup and we were talking about this offline was um, that, okay, Wednesday, um, we're going to have all the starters try, try to win against RSL. And then we go to San Jose, um, like with more freedom, no pressure. But obviously, um, Real Salt Lake had a different say in it and they came out, came out, played a good game on Wednesday got the three points, but at that point you had a lot of players, players that had played uh, more than 160 minutes. So the rotation was still needed, but um, I was still surprised when I saw the lineup and three guys getting their first start and some guys that last year, basically six guys, as we mentioned, uh, mm -hmm. AC Jackson, Sam Aleniran with the respective teams last year, Minnesota United too and uh, Tacoma Defiance, and uh, later on, San Antonio FC from USL. And then from our own St. Louis City 2, Josh Jaro, Kyle Heaver, Akil Watts, and Miguel Perez. Just think about it. The back line, three of the four guys were guys that last year were with St. Louis City 2. It's wild. And it's something that I think a lot of people had uh, a little trepidation on coming into the season that we were leveraging that perception of quality as our depth where now we're seeing more more and more evidence that the system is winning and more and more evidence that the guys who have been scouted by Lutz and Bradley can be developed to a point where it truly can be plug and play and and that's not just saying we think that they're doing this from training or we we've seen glimmers of it we've now seen a a match that by all rights we shouldn't have won I don't care where we are on the table right now, the form of the teams lately, the form of home versus away, the availability of players. San Jose had all but one of their full complement of players back from international break. St. Louis is depleted in numerous ways. This isn't just fandom talking and saying that we've overcome all odds. There truly were statistical ways in which we shouldn't have won this match, and yet we did. And so, Santi, you mentioned six players from USL and Next Pro made the start that were there last year. Let's dive into who our starting 11 were because there's very, there's one point we need to pick up on and that's going to be here at the end rolled out with Roman Berkey, who is now the only player for St. Louis city to have started every single match so far, all 19 matches in league play. Berkey was joined by Kyle Hebert, Tim Parker, Josh Yarrow and Akil Watts on the back line. Jabulo Blom, Miguel Perez in the midfield. Jared Stroud, Aziel Jackson above that, Sam Adeneron, and Rasmus Alm as kind of our strikers or our attacking options up high. For the most part, I actually saw a diamond formation breakout in this with a 4-4-2 leveraging Jabulu Blom as the pivot, Miguel Perez on, the, on one of the wings, Jared Stroud on the other wing, and Aziel Jackson as your 10 playing into Rasmus Alm and Sam Adeneron. And so, Santi, let's cover the big topic of the of the week. Sam Adeneron was recalled from his loan, announced by St. Louis City on Saturday morning. But the timeline is pretty interesting. The timeline for Sam Adeneron's rejoining or being recalled based on Sam is, and I'll read Sam's own quotes from postgame. Sam Adeneron said, I got the call after training, actually, in San Antonio. My agent called me. And then after that, Lutz and Bradley gave me a call. So from there, it was pretty much just packing my bags as quick as I can and then hopped on a flight on Friday morning. 
So he trains with San Antonio all week up until Thursday. He gets the call. Everything's worked out. He gets on a flight Friday morning. And per Bradley Carnell, he's there in time for dinner with the team on Friday evening. How? And he hasn't trained with anybody on this team in over two months. That's an amazing story. And earlier in the week, and I think, you, no, it wasn't, it wasn't you. It was Tom Timmerman that asked about Sam Aleniram. Yep. Uh, about him being a possibility. Um, Bradley Carnell basically said, yeah, he's with San Antonio. We're keeping an eye on him, but we don't think um, it's the time to, to bring him back. And then four days later, he's with the team and he's the hero of the night. Uh, what an amazing story. And, and to your point, like he had not trained with the team. Uh, it, he has been out of the team for a, for a while. But um, I think uh, it's great that he took the opportunity to start and responded with goals. Uh, I think that will give him a lot of confidence going forward. And he will be very important the next three to four weeks while Klaus is still out. Yeah, then the the difference between him and Nico Joachini almost isn't even worth discussing because of how different their styles of play are. Sam Adeneron's that left-footed striker who can hold up play. We saw him make a lot of runs. He had almost an assist on a that third goal, and we're going to get to the goals in a minute. But everything he brings is more akin to a Klaus replacement, which is what we originally envisioned when Klaus went down. It was just unfortunate the timing of Sam going out on loan and then Klaus immediately getting hurt right after. And the elephant in the room here in among City fans, I think, is why did it take so long for Sam Adeneron to be recalled or to even go out in general? And the timing of the original going out to me is pretty obvious. And I said this on Twitter. And it was really at that point, Klaus is in great form. Joe Akini is your second striker. You, you can play with one or both of them. You can plug and play some of the other attackers, uh, Thomas Ostrock, Rasmus Alm. Those guys are in form at the time. This is pre-Colorado Rapids in April. And Sam Adeneron needs minutes. He'd only had around 87 or so minutes in the six appearances that he had for St. Louis City. He was a a sub used sparingly at the end of the game. And if Nico Joachini talking to us has told us one thing, it's that strikers need to play. They need the striker mentality. They need to get into form. They need regular minutes. And Sam found that with San Antonio. The problem was Klaus's injury being of muscular and muscular nature made it to where you hope that the, the prescribed rehabilitation and, and treatment that he was being given he would respond to quickly. And so you had best case scenario of day to day. We'll evaluate him next week. And then it started to extend where you didn't seem to have a firm timeline as reported to us. And so there wasn't this expectation that there's a defined period of time that he's going to be out for that made sense to bring back Sam Adeneron so that he could get consistent minutes with City like he was getting with San Antonio. This whole process to me is taking into account the needs and the the what's in the best interest of the player just as much as it was the team and Bradley Carnell along. We've, we've just said it. The system is winning. The team is, is learning what they need to do when they lose certain players. And it got to a point where there was a prescribed timeline for Klaus. You can see that he's going to be out until leagues cup. Once you had that understanding, I think it makes a lot more sense to seriously consider recalling Sam Adeneron and add on to that the fact that these last two games have probably depleted Nico Joachini, who is our lone striker on the team. So weekly, 
yes, he could probably get by just fine and has been, but now you're looking at needing to find a replacement for him so that he could just get some rest and be okay himself going forward. All of these put together created that perfect storm of what Bradley Carnell alluded to of looking at the loads, looking at the rest and how people were recovering the styles of play that clearly worked well against San Jose. And it all led to Sam being called up towards the end of the week. Yeah. I really like that. The team has stuck to the plan. Obviously a lot of people that, and you mentioned it, like we're have been asking where is Sam Adenira and why isn't he coming? But I think the team was also looking out for him. It's not only like, okay, I need you now, but you haven't had any minutes, uh, but we'll figure it out. I'm glad the team had a plan and made sure he, he had some significant minutes with San Antonio FC. He scored goals. He, he had playing time. And now that he was in, in good form with San Antonio and the need to uh, call him back came, the team, uh, did it, but I like that they didn't rush into it, and uh, he was able to to get some significant minutes and get back some confidence. Because, as you said, Nico Joachini said it: you need confidence, you need time, and you also need to score. And he was scoring in in USL, and hey, now he comes here and he scores two goals, and uh, one was a penalty kick. That there is always a lot of pressure in that, and uh, when that when the PK um, finally was confirmed. My my partner was asking, okay, now who's gonna who's gonna shoot it? And I remember that he was taking uh, PKs for San Antonio. Yes, and he said, was. It's gonna be Sam Adrian. And there you go, he was, and he had the confidence, and uh, it was it was a a good PK. And hey, that was that was the win for St. Louis City. In fact, less than two weeks ago was Sam's last goal for San Antonio FC against the San Diego Loyal, and it was scored as a PK. So he's in form there as well, providing another option uh, with with Leuven out. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's great. Uh, it's a great story for for Sam. And the scoring in his first game will give him a lot of confidence for sure. And another interesting thing Sam introduced, and we mentioned the style of play that he offers is more akin to Klaus and what he had been providing earlier in the year as opposed to Nico Giochini, is what the passing network looked like. It's something we love to look at because it tells a story of the of how City was playing for most of the game and how they were lining up in their personnel. And so while the shape, defensively at least, was Diamond 442, it definitely looked more of a three in the back kind of kind of look where with Kyle Hebert as the left back, it's what you would expect. You have Kyle Hebert playing a little deeper with Tim Parker and Josh Yarrow, giving Akio Watts some freedom to move up to the right. But our midfield was wide and compact overall. Jared Stroud, Akio Watts, Miguel Perez out on the right-hand side were very wide for, for good portions of the game. And it opened up the field for Jabulu Blom and AZL Jackson to connect passes and do a lot of creative work. Jabulu Blom was connecting a good amount of passes and Akil Watt or uh, Aziel Jackson was making a lot of dribbles, a lot of long dribbles up the field and being given freedom to do what he does best. And that's control the ball and look like a superstar as he's just avoiding defenders left and right. Rasmus Alm was kind of back with them in kind of a triangle that had Miguel Perez, Aziel Jackson and Rasmus Alm. And Sam Adeneron average position was so high up the field, holding up play, being that target. It's almost exactly what you remember seeing with Klaus. 
and it gave that different look for St. Louis City side. And I made the comment before the game, do you think that the timing of the announcement was made very purposefully and intentionally by Carnell and, and the team so as to give San Jose as little time to prepare as possible? Because if you're preparing for a Nico Joachini-led offense, that's not what you got by any stretch of the imagination. Right. I, and I know we've seen the diamond four, four, two with Nico in Nico and Rasmus Alm, but what Nico offers was not what Sam gave you. And I think that played right into city's hand. And I was not expecting Sam and Aaron to start. Uh, my thought was, okay, Nico needs to rest, but he will probably start be the started first half and maybe 55th, 60th minute Sam and Aaron will come for Nico Joachini, but right off the bat, he's a starter. And um, yeah, San Jose was probably not ready for him. Another thing I love when I look at this passing network, I love seeing number 28, Miguel Perez, so high up, uh, playing um, more offensively. Um, the previous games he has played, he has been more as a num he has been playing more as a number six, only um, defensive. Uh, assignments uh, and yeah he had defensive assignments yesterday too but uh he was really involved in the offense yes, he, he uh, i thought he clicked really well with ac jackson they had like two or three combinations one of them uh led to a shot by ac jackson and i really like seeing miggy involved in the offense that was and it was exciting to see uh, and try to figure out what role he was playing early in the game because you, you're you not used to seeing him as part of the diamond. And to know that he had wing responsibility, a right midfield role, so to speak. And he has goal-scoring experience at the at the youth levels. And while all that, that he can bring, not just as what we've seen in defensive midfielder, but being given more freedom and flexibility to move up. And Santi, that leads perfectly into the first goal that we scored, in my opinion. Let's dive into those goals because... The, the match kind of progressed with San Jose dominating possession, St. Louis working on their counters, trying to create quick transition moments, a lot of defensive soundness by St. Louis city, but in the 41st minute, it wasn't just the corner, but I'm more interested in the lead up to the corner where in the run of play, Jared Stroud had intercepted a ball that was on our left side where he was playing that left mid roll. He cleared the ball quickly over to Miggy Perez and Miggy Perez had this amazing slide pass where he, he quickly slid it over to Aziel Jackson, the exact connection you were just talking about. Aziel Jackson dribbled it up and shot it on target. Great shot, quick shot with pace that was blocked out of bounds that led to the corner kick. And the corner kick, boy, some of those uh, comments from Sam Adeneron after the game in how Rasmus Alm was able to connect just so well and how he's such a talented corner kick taker. Rasmus Alm took this corner with no Edu Leuven and no Indiana Vasilev in the match. Rasmus Alm placed it perfectly to Sam Adeneron, who all he had to do was stand in the box, take one step back, and he headed it home. Yeah, that was a great, great header by Sam Adeneron. He had one earlier in the game, and um, like uh, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't like he he hit it and it went um, it went over the goal. But this one was right on the spot, and he was able to put it on frame and that was great for city to end the first half on a high note and at one to nothing. You know, that first, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that first, uh, first free kick attempt, the one that was from Akil Watts. And I, I was first impressed by Akil Watts taking that because we've seen him do it in training 
and uh, should have figured that he'd be on the depth chart for those free kicks or, or corner kicks when he's in. But I was perturbed by, and I can't remember who was on the call, but the MLS season pass announcers who were almost deriding Sam's technique said he had poor technique in that first uh, header attempt off on the corner. And I had, I had to look back again to make sure I wasn't misremembering. I remember the moment being upset that the, the work that he put into the box was being ignored. And it was the header itself that was being focused on because he went from behind to in front of the defender marking him while the ball was in the air. So his ability to even place himself in a position where he could get ahead on the ball, get a touch on the ball was impressive to me in that first free kick from Akil Watts. And then seeing the progression, seeing his placement, and when you're in place and you don't have to make that move on a defender, how deadly his header aim is, that was impressive to see. So it was fun for me to see that evolution, and I just felt like Sam was getting slighted a bit on that first attempt. At the end of the day, you're right, we went into half one nothing, and we probably couldn't have asked for more at that point as City fans. Yeah, yeah, that was great to see. And uh, as a reminder, when City scores first, um, has gotten results in all games. Uh, before this game, it was seven wins, two two draws, and then yesterday, eight wins. So uh, it's always a good sign when, when City scores first and then goes uh, at halftime winning. But um, then early in the second half, uh, mm. San Jose stroke and um, had a different 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 thought about how the how the game was going to develop yeah I, I'm not the only one who was concerned when that second half started and just two minutes in this happened because so often that early early moment in the second half really sets the tone for the rest of the game you can see who's coming out flat you can see who's coming out with gusto and who just has all the energy that's going to carry them into big big portions and moments in the second half that can really change the game. And so you're thinking, Oh, here it comes because especially of the way it happened and it was a is a turnover that led to transition. And this is an interesting thing. There was a, there was some comments to me because I, I made a quick comment about how Miggy Perez uh, lost the ball. I didn't say he was at fault. I just said he lost the ball and the focus to me and some replies were more on Jared Stroud. So to set the stage for the 47th goal, Jared Stroud had the ball. He was under pressure on our left side. And if you look at the replays, you see that Miggy Perez is open in the middle of the field, a few yards outside of our defensive 18-yard box. And as Stroud is looking for help, Miggy points to the ground in front of him, almost calling for the ball, saying I've got space. Stroud passes what is clearly a weaker ball, doesn't have much pace behind the pass, that to me appears to arrive at the spot that Miggy pointed to, but because of the pace of the ball and the pass, the Jack Scahan had time from San Jose to go from covering Akil Watts on the right to assuming that he saw Miguel Perez call for the ball or saw space that Perez was calling for. He closed the gap. So as Stroud passed it to Perez, Miggy sees that, tries to turn his back to, to Scahan and protect the ball more or less. But the ball is tipped away from him. It goes to Jackson Ewell. Jackson Ewell kind of cuts diagonally into the box. And at that point, it's a quick transition moment where he tries to slide it to Abobasi, who lets the ball go pass over to Jamiro Montero, who in transition found himself open for the shot in the box that beats Berkey to the bottom left corner. Ties it 1-1 just two minutes into the second half. Yeah, and as you said, there was a lot of talk about um, Miggy losing that ball. And people go crazy when when things like this happen and you start seeing well i saw this afterwards uh but um somebody else told me too that people like start like 
oh, Miggy shouldn't be a starter. Oh, Look at yeah. what he did. And and people get, get very passionate about these things. Uh, but yeah, I think, yeah, he had some responsibility, but also a Stroud with the weak pass. Uh, and maybe that wasn't the best place uh, to go with to go with when, when Estrada was looking for an outlet. But um, at the end of the day, um, the team learns from mistakes like this. Obviously, you don't, you don't want to get an early goal in the second half. But um, I like how the team responded and, and was able to uh, to score uh, 10 minutes later. I think it's good to note at this point that Miguel Perez playing that right mid role of the diamond midfield led our team in key passes with four and led our team into passes into the final third with three. So the the work that he was doing to progress the ball in addition to 72% pass completion rate, he did a, he played a good game. It was this one moment that I think is defining some, some perceptions and some, some really Monday morning quarterbacking type of thing when you're looking at individual players. If there's one thing that the St. Louis fan base has a propensity to do, it's to take a massive positive and find the few flaws that exist and look to, I guess the the glass half full is look to correct those. So Mm -hmm. you can try to strive for perfection. It's probably the nicest way I could put that. But yeah, there were some comments that I think were undeserved and Miguel Perez did his best in trying to protect that ball when he received it. He did, he did turn it over, and it's just one of those team team efforts that didn't go the way you want it to that led to a goal. But luckily, it wasn't, it wasn't very long before we had another one, and we took the lead. And this one was more of a typical St. Louis buildup to me because the ball in the 58th minute, eventually, or quite just before the 58th minute, uh, was played back to Roman Berkey. Looked like we were trying to figure out what to do from our back line, and we were getting some high pressure from San Jose, and our back line couldn't play the ball through. So they got it back to Berkey. And Berkey, in typical Roman Berkey fashion, had a long pass. He played it out far to the midfield. San Jose headed it over to Josh Yarrow, so you have a little loose ball action here. Josh Yarrow had the loose ball recovered by Jabulu Blome, who slid it quickly over to AZL Jackson, and then you, you're off and running in that transition. So Blome to AZ, you have some give and go to Akil Watts, all the way down the right-hand side, finding Rasmus Alm eventually. And Rasmus Alm slides it in transition to uh, a, a crossing AZL Jackson into the channel on the right side. And when Alm plays it to AZ, the ball never really reaches the box. But AZ goes through the box to get there, and as he's nearing the end of the box, Jonathan Mensa comes at comes at AZ, shoves him in his back a little bit. AZ goes down, and VAR eventually awards him a penalty. So a- AZ, to me, does this entire work in addition to the work of our midfield in building up this play. And and the epilogue to this whole thing is Sam Adeneron is the one that you mentioned, took the, takes the PK, scores from the spot in the bottom left corner, puts St. Louis up 2-1, but the work of AZ Jackson to earn, really earn that penalty cannot go overstated. Yeah, AZ Jackson had a great game. Another player who took the opportunity to start and show what he could do. He was very important um, last night and he drew that penalty and um, Sam put it away. But great game by by AZ Jackson and taking the opportunity to get significant minutes. And uh, we will probably see more of him in the next few weeks. You have to believe that. Whether it's in a starting role or 
just fighting for minutes in the death chart. The other thing that uh, the rest of the game showed is that when you have when you have depth pieces that are in form and have a measure of rest and are of the quality that we have from an Indiana Vasilev, Nico Joachini, Celio Pompeu, Tomas Ostrak, and then Isak Jensen there in stoppage, it allows you to really fight fire with fire in these tactical, really changing moments of the second half where substitutes start making all the difference. And San Jose, by starting their best 11 at the time, were at a disadvantage at that point when you're going into the 60th minute or so and you're up and you have better subs, you can make those moves with a little more ease and know and have confidence that these guys know exactly what they're, what they're needing to do. And it's, it's a typical rotation for city where we sub all of our attacking players, Miguel Perez left, AZ Jackson left, then Jared Stroud, Sam Adeneron and Rasmus Alm eventually. So what city was able to do with their subs did exactly what what I hoped Bradley Carnell would do, which is be very tactical in nature. And and I noticed throughout the night that we were getting comments about wanting to see subs early. And so the earliest sub for St. Louis came at the 72nd minute, right after San Jose made their first two subs in Benji Kakanovich and uh, Usani Buddha. So it's waiting for San Jose to make their subs. You fight with that, but you do it quickly. And so I enjoyed the fact that we were very quick to the trigger in that regard. And I thought the run of form wasn't in dire need of substitutes. You could argue that Jared Stroud was showing, showing some wear going out there, but a lot of the guys who were having success in the first two thirds of the match, I think keeping them on the field a decent amount of time was appropriate. Uh, we knew AZ had been probably doing the most running out of anybody. And so getting him out, Miguel Perez, who is uh, he's regular in, in that kind of a sub window where you're around 70 minutes if he's going to start to get Indiana Vasilev. I enjoyed seeing that tactical approach from Carnell. And boy, am I glad that it worked. Yeah, yeah. And just knowing you have all that talent on the bench and, and that you can have fresh legs uh, when San Jose was making substitutions too, trying to find that equalizer and yeah i think it was great timing with the substitutions but boy like those last like 10 15 minutes it was all san jose pushing for that equal equalizer and roman berkey coming up big again roman berkey having eight saves three of those saves coming after the 89th minute he was making a case for himself for player of the match after the voting had been closed up and sam had it locked down the the three saves they weren't just they weren't just uh deflections or or quick easy saves those were difficult saves where the ball was coming at him quickly he had to make himself big and the the game could have easily been two points could have easily been lost in any one of those so credit to him for keeping us in and at that point you're worried about how our defense is handling things because like Tim Parker who had who, still in the game and played one of the heaviest loads over the past three weeks. He even earlier we thought might've been sustaining an injury. So Parker glad he was able to stay in Josh Yarrow, Keel Watts, Kyle Hebert, all coming up huge. And the one thing that I want to focus on aside from Jabulu Blum also handling the six. Well, as he always does is Kyle Hebert's role in shutting down Christian Espinoza, the guy, this is the matchup Santi that we talked about last week on flyover that if you're going to be successful against San Jose, you have to shut down their designated player, their number 10, their playmaker and goal scorer, Christian Espinoza. 
And that's the big reason why I wanted to see Kyle Hebert in this lineup at left back. So he could take him on one-on-one. He could be the man that is tasked with defending their best player because he excels in that role, whether it's against Hani Mukhtar or any other designated player, any other high caliber player, I'm comfortable with Kyle Hebert going one V one in any of those scenarios. And he really shut down Espinoza. Espinoza only had three key passes the whole game, two shots. His passing was only at a 58% success rate. And he had 0.11 XG the entire game. Just a tremendous job by Kyle Hebert and our defense to shut down Christian Espinoza. Yeah, and Kyle Hebert keeps going head to head with some of these very talented strikers uh, or wingers. He had already done it against Douglas Costa a couple of weeks ago. And uh, although against Nashville, uh, he had some issues um, stopping um, Jacob Schaffelberg that uh, with some of the fouls, um, he ended up getting that red card. Uh, on the was... right side, too. Sorry, that was on the right side, too. Yeah, and so... that was on the right side, uh, which uh, is, is not fair. He had been playing left, and, and the team uh, thought they could pull him a right. Uh, didn't go the way uh, the team expected it to go, but he was fresh for this game, and yes. uh, he was uh, he's showing that he can go head-to-head against... Uh, Guys like Espinosa, Douglas Costa, and we you 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 talk about the stats, but um, we didn't really see much of Espinosa all game. Yeah, it, everything he did was very quiet. I remember one time where he had he had, the announcers had said he the he beat Kyle Hebert on the the our left hand side, and then he tried to change the ball over and sailed it out of bounds. So even when he is perceived to be succeeding against Hebert, he wasn't able to do anything with it because of the pressure Hebert put on him. Just a a great defensive performance all around in that regard. And some of the other individual performances, obviously we touched on Sam Adenaran with his first ever MLS goal, his brace. He's the 12th player to score in MLS action, 14th to score across all competitions for City SC. So we're adding to that tally of any single person on this roster can score a goal. Uh, with his brace, Adeneron joins Joao Klaus, Aziel Jackson, and Indiana Vasilev as players who have at least one multi-goal game for City SC across all competitions, including the U.S. Open Cup. And like we said, I think we can look forward to seeing Sam later on this this, uh, this year in the next couple of weeks, at least, as we make that run to League's Cup, knowing Klaus isn't there. Yeah, great job by Sam Adeneron. He's going to earn more minutes. Uh, it'll be interesting to see... Um, if there is a game where both him and Nico start and maybe uh, do what Nico was doing when, when Klaus was around, maybe Nico will take that same role uh, or maybe having both of them as, as a strikers, um, which we saw a little bit of that with CD2 last year when Joao, Klaus and, and Jos Dolling uh, were out there playing as a striker. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the, three, if the, if the team tries that in, in, in a game or two, but uh, it just provides more options. And uh, if Nico needs to take a break, you have Sam, and uh, it just adds uh, one more option to the offense. And when you're using all four or five of your subs every single game for over an overwhelming amount of your attackers, right? This game was the very, very much emblematic of that entire approach where our style and our system needs to rotate your attackers and keep them fresh this this is something that we very desperately needed is an additional option going forward, not having Leuven or Klaus. So that's that's going to be important over the next few games. Some One of the other people that I wanted to really highlight is Rasmus Alm. 
And Rasmus Alm in this game, he had an assist. He now has six goal contributions in MLS this season. And I don't have the stat in front of me, so I hope I get this right. Games that Rasmus Alm has played this year. He is, St. Louis City SC is nine, three, and two. Games that Jabulu Blom has started, we are five, one, and one. So if you're looking at difference makers, key contributors to a successful city style and city attack and defense, these two players, I, I consistently want to see more of them. And I think they're starting to become players. Blom has been to me, but I think Rasmus Alm, a healthy Rasmus Alm, mm-hmm. is one of those players that I put in pen as needing to start whenever he can every single game. Yeah, and Jabulu Blom, obviously, only uh, a small sample, at least for, I'm talking, and not for me, not for you, not for St. Louis, but when you think uh, national media, like, um, I guess not enough games, but uh, he's showing that he's one of the best midfielders, uh, the best defensive midfielders in MLS. And it's just gonna, it's just gonna be a matter of a few more games for national media to start talking about him. But uh, he has been great with City. Obviously, he struggled with with injuries at the beginning of the season and just some bad luck, uh, COVID. And but now that he's back in in full force, and as you said, five one and one when when he's playing, that just shows how important he is for the team. And he just can't take over that number six role by himself. And like yesterday, Miggy had had uh, more freedom. And um, if you have somebody like Plum, uh, the second midfielder would have more liberties and, and be able to contribute more to the offense. Yeah. And we saw a, what we hope is an offense that we can carry forward for the next couple of games coming home next week is going to be important as kind of that revenge match. But before we move on and, and end this show, Santi, let's look at a few fun facts uh, that, that city SC did as a whole. So you mentioned city SC undefeated when scoring first now moving to uh, eight wins on that. City SC is the first team in the Western Conference to 10 wins, first in double digits. This match, we saw City SC field our 18th different lineup in 19 MLS games. There was that one fun back-to-back, but that was short-lived. St. Louis is the first team, like we said, to defeat the San Jose Earthquakes at PayPal Park since September 24th, 2022. With this result, St. Louis has won for the first time against an opponent twice in the same season. In their history, obviously, it's a very short history, but we've had about three opportunities, I think, and yep. this is the first time we've succeeded in that. And City SC is the second expansion team to record a road win over the Earthquakes, joining LAFC in 2018, which is pretty rare company, and I'm happy anytime somebody can compare us to that LAFC team for their expansion season. We know we are on a good track when you can do that. Yeah. Santi, anything else you want to add before we uh, wrap it up? Uh, just one last fun fact um, with the three guys that had their first start yesterday. Now there are 20 players that have started games in MLS for St. Louis City SC. That's not even just appearing. 20 players that have started. It started, yeah. yes. Uh, appearances, I think. Uh, so they had appeared before. So it's 24. 24 players have appeared in games. And City's record is what again, Santi? 10, 7, and 2. That is an amazing accomplishment to have so many needed depth pieces contribute to a successful start to the year. And so with that, let's look at where both teams end up after this match. San Jose remains fifth, tied with Houston and Real Salt Lake with 27 points. 
They have a seven, seven to six record with 23 goals for and a minus three goal differential after, t- after this weekend. Uh, as we said, they sustained their first home loss of the year and they fall to one, six and three at home this year. But St. Louis city SC back on top of the Western conference, finishing match day 21 in first place in the West tied with LAFC on points with 32, but holding the tiebreaker and goal differential. St. Louis improves to 10, seven and two with 37 goals scored and a plus 13 goal differential An amazing, amazing work. And every single time it, to me, Santi, somebody tries to count out city and tries to say, Oh, should we recalibrate expectations? <laughs> I, I said that <laughs> and every time it happens, St. Louis city seems to respond to it. And say, no, I'm here. Don't forget about me. Here and, you go. And- I'm going to win this game. Exactly. I, I said it in a hopeful manner, but I do want to reiterate that it took three games after we lost Joao Klaus to find our, our first win without Klaus. It took three games after Edu Leuven went down until we found our first win. Doesn't matter where, doesn't matter how, matters that it happened. So we lose one DP, three games, we're winning again. We lose our second DP, three games, we win again. If we can keep this streak going, the depth of St. Louis City SC should not be questioned to me. Yeah, no, just got to continue uh, trusting the process. Bradley Carnell said it a couple of times this week uh, during the pregame conferences, and it's showing that that uh, it just takes time. As you said, um, it may take a few games to make adjustments and and um, be, in a, be able to play with our, one of your key players. But this team is showing uh, game by game, and Carnell has said it, it's like a plug-and-play system, like... Uh, if somebody is not available, you plug someone else in and, and you figure out a way to uh, to get the three points. And this team is getting the job done. It's so exciting uh, the way the season is going. It's still um, 15 games to go. So uh, a lot of things can happen. But um, just looking forward to coming back to City Park against Colorado Rapids, which will, will be another special game for, for the fans in St. Louis, right? We thought it was going to be, we, we knew it was a special game going to Commerce City. I can't wait for the Colorado Rapids to come to St. Louis. St. Louis returns home next Saturday, July 1st, facing the Colorado Rapids. It's the home leg of what we called the Cronky Classico, Santi. And it's not just that, there is that layer to it, but it's also a bit of a revenge match because don't forget that the last time we saw Joao Klaus appear, it was against the Colorado Rapids as he went down with that quad injury. I wouldn't mind taking three points from the team that lost us, Klaus. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be great too. But but yeah, more importantly, just getting back to uh, winning at, at City Park, continuing yes. continuing making it a Portlers. Yes. So St. Louis currently six three and one home record. Look to improve that. We're gonna have that and a whole lot more on our Flyer Footy that will air on pod platforms on Friday. We're gonna record Thursday night as usual. Santi. This has been fun. Let's do this more often. Let's win and then have a fun time doing fallout. Yeah. Sundays after a win are always fun. We will always bring you the fallout where the team win or loses, but it's just more fun after, after a win. Yep. So thanks for joining us. Um, if you, if you like, liked what you listened to, if you like the stream, like subscribe, all that good jazz, we really appreciate it. Leave a review. Um, one other note I'll plug is we're still doing our partnership with the St. Luligans on their pride razor. So we still have a Nico sports collectible ball for St. Louis city that we're going to give away in July. You have it any- there. Show it, I do. show it. If you're on the stream. It's right here. This is the ball that you'll get. All you have to do is donate to pride razor 
and let us know that you've donated. We have posts, we have tweets, Facebook comments, anything. Just let us know that you've donated and we'll enter you into our giveaway. With that, my name is Matt Baker, Santiago Beltran. As always, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to talk St. Louis City, especially after a win. We're on cloud nine and we look to stay there. Thanks for joining us. Vamos City. Oh, 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 o